0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Five Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Control Up, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. Control Up, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Liquidware, the innovator and adaptive workspace management solutions. And of course, also brought to you by Policy Pack Software, now part of Networks, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. There was yet another story related to June patches causing issues, this time in Microsoft's Edge browser. BleepingComputer.com reports the break causes all Microsoft Edge tabs running IE mode to stop responding if one of the open sites displayed a modal dialog box after issuing a Windows.Focus call. The IE mode problem affects devices running Windows 11, 21H2, Windows 10, 20H2, 221H1, and 21H2, as well as Windows Server 2022, after installing KB5014019, 5014023, and also 5014021. Microsoft has fixed this issue using known issue rollback a Windows capability designed to help revert buggy Windows non-security fixes delivered via a Windows update. After being pushed, the fix reaches all consumer and non-managed business devices within a day. However, customers can also speed up the fix rollout to their systems by restarting impacted Windows devices. To resolve this IE mode tab issue in Microsoft Edge on affected enterprise managed devices, admins have to install and configure a specific KIR group policy associated with the system's Windows version. And I'll share a link to the article about this, which also has links to the downloads for the group policies for Windows 11 and Windows 10, if you'd like to use those. This is also a pretty timely break considering Internet Explorer 11 just went to end of life officially on June 15th. IE mode is kind of important in terms of that migration story for customers. So that having a break so soon after basically coming into greater prominence is not a good thing. Zendesk are set to be acquired by investor group Hellman and Friedman and Primera for $10.2 billion. It's said to be an all cash transaction that values Zendesk at approximately $10.2 billion. And under the terms of this agreement, Zendesk shareholders will receive $77.50 per share. The offer represents a premium of approximately 34% over Zendesk's closing stock price on June 23rd, 2022 the last full day of trading prior to the announcement. Zendesk is to become a privately held company upon completion of this transaction. So another case of, I guess, a private equity firm acquiring a pretty widely used software and large enterprise vendor. Quite the trend that's going on. SleepyComputer.com reported this week that the LockBit Ransomware operation has released LockBit version 3, which introduces the first ransomware bug bounty program and also leaks new extortion tactics and Zcash cryptocurrency payment options. Security researchers who submit bug reports to the ransomware gang can get rewards ranging between $1,000 to $1,000,000. LockBit is not only offering bounties for rewards on vulnerabilities discovered, but is also paying bounties for brilliant ideas on improving the ransomware operation and for doxing the affiliate program manager. Pretty crazy, (laughs) Uh, a ransomware gang is offering a bug bounty program for their ransomware. But this is where the world is right now. FleepyComputer.com also reported this week that multiple malicious Python packages available on the PyPy repository were caught stealing sensitive information like AWS credentials and transmitting it to public exposed endpoints accessible by anyone. PyPy is a repository of open source packages that software developers use to pick the building blocks of their Python based projects or share their work within the community. The packages Marked as malicious include loglib-modules, pyg-modules, pygrata, pygrata pygrata-utils, and also hkg-soul-utils. Software developers are advised to go beyond package names and scrutinize release history, upload dates, homepage links, package descriptions, and download numbers, all collectively helping to determine whether a python package is the real deal or a dangerous fake. The awesome Kim Zetter, who you should definitely follow on Twitter, shared an interesting story this week tied to some of the drama that's been going on in the US with the January 6th investigation. And I swear this isn't a political story, I don't touch politics much on this podcast, I'm just purely covering this for the technical aspects. But Donald Trump's lawyer, John Eastman, was compelled to unlock his phone with biometrics for law enforcement as part of a warrant. The warrant did not cover his password, suggesting that passwords have greater legal protection in the U.S. than biometrics. I found that really interesting and thought others might find it interesting too. It may only loosely have relevance in enterprise IT, but still, hey, the more you know you know they say that multiple types of authentication and when you're using a phone that might be your face id well i guess face id is more likely to be something they'll use in a warrant versus a traditional password who knew vmware's workspace one intelligence for horizon is now available and i mentioned workspace one intelligence for horizon back during the VMworld announcements and I believe it's been in preview since then, but now it's available. They say Workspace ONE Intelligence for Horizon delivers insights on health, performance, and usage visibility for your Horizon environment. And with the support for Horizon, Workspace ONE Intelligence delivers end-to-end visibility across physical and virtual endpoints, enabling you to monitor environment health and performance and ensure end-user experience in a centralized location within the Workspace ONE Intelligence console. And if you'd like to see a detailed guide on how to get started and what those steps are, I'll share a link with this episode, which is episode 236. And you'll find that on fivebytespodcast.com under reference links for this episode. The June 2022 updates for Power Automate for Desktop have just been released. And this includes more data types now supported for input and output variables, including numeric values, Boolean values, custom objects, lists, and databases. As well as this, there's Java automation and SWT framework applications, and a new screen for editing the selectors of a UI element. More on some Microsoft announcements, but the Azure Data Studio MongoDB extension for Azure Cosmos DB is now in public preview. They say you can now use the free and lightweight tool feature Azure Data Studio MongoDB extension for Azure Cosmos DB to manage and query your MongoDB re- resources using Mongo Shell. This feature allows you to manage multiple accounts all in one view by connecting your Mongo resources, configuring the database settings, and performing create, read, update, and delete across Windows, macOS, and Linux. Also coming to public preview is multiple backups per day for Azure Virtual Machines. With this capability, you can define the duration in which your backup jobs trigger and align your backup schedule with the working hours when there are frequent updates. Understanding your need for higher retention in Instant Restore Enhanced Policy is designed to offer instant restore retention with defaults of seven days retention and a maximum of up to 30 days retention. This ensures minimal data loss in the event of corruption or updates. And not a preview, but something actually going generally available, but Power Apps applications for Windows are now generally available. They say that if you installed this app during the public preview, you don't have to do anything to get to the GA release. The app will automatically update and be renamed to Power Apps. And for everyone else, if you just want to install it net new, you can find it under Power Apps in the Microsoft Store. I feel like I've been talking about Power Apps and seeing Power Apps um, in certain scenarios quite a lot over the last year. <laughs> I really thought it was already generally available. Hey, but here you go. Now it is. One more in public preview here, but Intune user configuration for Windows 11 multi-session VMs is now in public preview. With this preview, you can now configure user scope policies using the settings catalog, user certificates via templates, and PowerShell scripts to run in the user context. The new functionality is available in the Intune 2206 release and you must install the 2206 cumulative update for Windows 11 on your session hosts. They said that you could stay tuned for news about the upcoming support for Intune user configuration on Windows 10 multi-session VMs, which I would bet is more common. <laughs> Probably should have the Windows 10 public preview before the Windows 11, but splitting hairs, I guess. ZDNet had a fun article this week about a Utah State University project to test the experimental inflatable stabilization system called AeroBoom, which featured the use of a Raspberry Pi and was launched into space on a satellite. The Raspberry Pi Zero is reported to have re-entered Earth's atmosphere back in May, which after completing a record 117 days in space, during which they successfully demonstrated that small spacecraft can self-stabilize in orbit. The team explained, despite the failure of commercial solar panels designed for space, the custom safeguards designed by the team kept the $10 Raspberry Pi running smoothly. How crazy is that? I thought it was like exciting when enterprises were using Raspberry Pis as cheap, thin clients, but you know, space programs using Raspberry Pi's for these types of projects is much more impressive. And just some quick hit stories to wrap up the news for this week. But after 22 years at Microsoft, the legend Jeffrey Snover has announced that he is leaving. Just a few weeks ago, I covered some tweets that Jeffrey put out about how he actually took a demotion in order to found and create PowerShell. If, like me, You worked in IT for the last, I don't know, 15 plus years. I'm not sure how long PowerShell's even been out. Um, You have likely benefited and found amazing value in PowerShell, and that's in very large part thanks to Jeffrey. So I'd imagine he's gonna be a massive loss for Microsoft and whoever he works for next, if he chooses to take on another job and adventure, will be very lucky. So thank you Jeffrey for everything you've done for us. If you appreciate his work on PowerShell, maybe give him a tweet because he is very active on Twitter. And sticking with some community news. Community rock star and Citrix CTP Chris Twist just launched his band's very first single, Spread Your Wings. His band is called Convoke and you can find the single on Spotify. And some other streaming platforms too and it's well worth a listen it's very impressive amazing job and just inspirational that he's chasing this music dream while also being so accomplished within his it career that he's currently a citrix ctp that's amazing good on you chris and finally a little bit of personal news i am delighted to announce that i have joined numescent uh, so I didn't really mention on the podcast or even on social media, but uh, I left my previous role at Control Up back in April. Um, this was mainly down to medical grounds. Uh, it was suggested that I take a break for my own well-being. Um, so I took close to three months off, and I'm really excited to jump back in and get a fresh start with New Messend. Thanks very much to Control Up. I loved working Control Up, it's one of the best jobs I've ever had, an amazing boss, worked with an excellent team and they were all very supportive both while I worked there as well as when I was taking this kind of sabbatical. So be sure to stay tuned uh, to my social media at least and I'm sure I'll be sharing more about uh, cloud paging, cloud pager and just new news over the weeks and months. And now some hot jobs. I'm cognizant of the fact that I don't want this to be a promotional vehicle for my own interests or even that of my employers. They're not a sponsor of the podcast and this is my own venture. But hey, if you'd like to work with me at Numescent, they are hiring right now. Uh, The company is pretty rapidly expanding. Uh, They're hiring in marketing, uh, in sales, they're hiring engineers and also a solutions architect as well. Uh, the Most of the roles except for that solution architect role, I believe, are all based in the U.S. Uh, the solutions architect they're looking for would be based in Europe. So, if you have an interest in joining a rapidly growing company, doing some really interesting things around application containerization and app delivery, take a look at these jobs. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. The awesome helga klein shared this week that when explorer is started it creates a scheduled task to execute itself unelevated runs that task and then exits i didn't know that <laughs> seems like a very clunky way of achieving that uh, but guy leach followed up with a tip he said if you have a need to run an elevated explorer like program he suggests using explorer plus plus or total commander instead which i've used total commander. I don't think I've ever used Explorer plus plus. So interesting, interesting stuff. Luria Microsoft, who you can follow on Twitter with L-U-R-I-E underscore MSFT tweeted that, did you know that if you change the file extension of PPTX, which is PowerPoint or XLSX, which is Excel, or DocX, which is Word, to .zip, you can open the file in a folder structure to see the metadata including any embedded pictures or movies and properties etc i did not know this he says it goes back to microsoft vista and as far back as office 2007. i did not know that that is pretty interesting also one from twitter but ben whitmore shared a really handy site called azure Websites.net where you can actually do a test to see what the speed and performance is like from your location to various different data center locations within Azure. So if you're trying to decide, you know, what data center has the lowest latency from your location before you set up a certain service, this is a really great resource for that. AVD punks had a blog post on how to redirect your location to improve your AVD experience. So I thought that was actually pretty nicely aligned with the last tip. So figure out what the best location is for you and then also you can enable location redirection in your AVD desktops from that location to your actual device region using these tips. Simon Scott Feimsick, I hope I got that name right, sorry Simon, uh, had a blog post on setting custom themes for Windows 11 with Microsoft Endpoint Manager. He says if your company has a strong branding profile, you may be interested in assigning a custom desktop theme to your Windows 11 computers reflecting that brand. And he's put together a simple routine for distributing a desktop theme pack with Microsoft Endpoint Manager, and you can find the details in his blog post, which I'll share. Paul Colling from Microsoft, had a blog post on optimizing RDP connectivity for Windows 365. Paul says many Windows 365 customers use VPNs as part of their deployment, and there are some specific configuration guidelines which are outlined in his post, which Microsoft recommends are applied to optimize key traffic and provide the highest levels of user experience. So for the best performance with the VPN and Cloud PC together, read this post. My buddy Martin Turkelson had a blog post this week, or actually a series of blog posts on using GitHub and Terraform to deploy Azure resources. So Terraform is just all over the place right now. A lot of people in DevOps using it for automation purposes as a framework. Um, And if you're working with Azure resources, this could be one for you. And finally, the awesome James Kindon shared a blog post on Citrix profile management and basically keeping track of the various different enhancements. He points out that Citrix profile management recently has received a lot of really quality improvements. And he points to a previous blog post he did around Citrix profile management and FSLogix profile containers. And a lot in the community, as I covered on the podcast before, are a little bit concerned with the direction of FSLogix profile containers and the way they're being loaded now uh, within Windows uh, synchronously, (laughs) Uh, which basically tacks on a performance overhead the the way they're being loaded. So there's some in the community who are like, well, we're not gonna use it anymore because that's not conducive to good employee experience. So might be time to reconsider Citrix profile management and James has covered a lot of reasons why you might want to as well. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening.